0: that is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. feeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. So today I'm here with Brett Potter, who is currently based now in Portugal and... Yeah, so what's our topic today? How companies' cultures are defined and contribute to a company's success story. Before we go in deep, Brad, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yes. Uh, hi, Christian. Thanks for having me on the, the show. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, so I'm the founder and CEO of CultureGene. CultureGene is a culture development platform and we use software and human expertise to help typically high growth companies um, define, embed and manage their culture. And um, I was lucky enough to uh, find this passion um, of mine. And, um, actually if I didn't, if I wasn't paid, I would still do it. So that's me. I'm prior to this, I I ran an executive search firm for 16 years and that's really where I got the insight into the importance of company culture.
0: Mm -hmm. So, uh, you were like in a recruiting area and uh, providing additional consulting, I suppose, the businesses before.
1: Yeah, actually what I was, I, I was the managing partner of an executive search firm and, um, about five years ago I was, I was very fortunate to work with three companies almost in a row where the CEOs had very clear um, understanding of their culture. and they asked me specifically to find candidates that matched the skills, experience, and values of the company. And this was a much harder search to do, but when the, when it got to interview stage, the candidates and the the, the hiring manager and the CEO, really had a, had a fundamentally different experience from my point of view. And actually, the impact of the candidates on those companies, the successful candidates on those companies later, just demonstrated to me that culture was the missing link. There was something more. So that's really where my interest got peaked in the subject.
0: Yeah. So uh, where were you based at that time and which part of the world?
1: Uh, London, uh, central London. And um, yeah, I... I uh, Uh, Moved to Portugal a month ago.
0: And then you've got really nice weather. (laughs) So (laughs) um, since you're enjoying the nice warm weather, and I think it's a good time as well to do some mind feeding for everybody, um, let me explain again in short what we are going to be talking about. So in Brett's latest book on company culture, he provides great insights into how startups and high-growth companies use their culture to achieve Massive competitive advantage. So, um, Brett, how would one define uh, a company culture and as well, how, how does that actually contribute to the success?
1: Yeah, so the, the definition of company culture is really based around the values, the mission and the vision of the, of the company. And I look at the vision as to the why. Why are we here? What, you know, what are we setting out to achieve? If everything went right, how would we change the world in five to 10 years? The mission is, what are we doing on a day-to-day basis to impact our customer, which will then help us change the world? And the values are, how do we behave on a day-to-day basis to impact our customers to change, the, to, to fulfill our vision. So the values drive the mission, which drive the vision. Um, and I typically believe that the vision should really be the founder or the founder's area. You know, they should ideally have a vision for where they want the company to be in five to 10 years. And the mission is really about what, you know, what the team do on a day-to-day basis. The And they're relatively easy to define. The values typically are the harder part because the values you really need to be very deliberate about defining the the accurate the right values for your business
0: yeah so it's a value and a mission statement that then drives the people as well to go and work for you and want to work in whatever level they are in the organization i suppose
1: yeah exactly so um when you join a company, there is an explicit agreement where, which you sign, a piece of paper which says you have to work from this times and you'll be paid that salary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's also an implicit agreement, which is something that's, that if a company has done a good job of defining their values, is communicated to the candidate. And that basically says... This is the way we work around here. This is the way we do things around here. This is what's acceptable behavior. This is what's unacceptable behavior. And you you can hold us as leaders to account, and we will hold you as a new employee to account to this. And this is a way more powerful and way more impactful element of why a person joins a company. Yes, salary is important and all of that stuff, but actually people want to fulfill their potential. People want to grow and develop and self-actualize. And if you can demonstrate in your company that they have the potential to do that, then you're in a very strong position and your values help communicate that to those candidates that you want to hire.
0: Mm-hmm. So then they have a real realistic uh, um, outcome and they can see that it's a realistic possibility that they can really then fulfill, develop themselves as well. When you think of it, somebody maybe has finished university and they want to, of course, not only just get work experience. Um, they hope that they have somebody who uh, takes them, coaches them and shows them the ropes to eventually help them uh, grow as well in their abilities and the competences and, and as well in the personal skills, because uh, you can't, of course, expect uh, someone to uh, leave school and say away you know how to manage a team. The same thing in the army as well. You, you develop as well leaders and so on. Everybody has to learn uh, certain basic ropes, but other things you have to learn and experience and see how others do and see what are the good examples, what are the bad examples, and then decide, how do I want to manage the people? And that means as well, at the same time, of course, it defines to a certain degree what culture do I as employee accept uh, and say, OK, that is acceptable. And do I really want to work for that company? And then translated that to the company itself that has then its its own culture and its own, let's say, inner rules. Then that's, of course, where you then have to align and see whether you as a company and you as an employee align with each other and then eventually, I suppose that's what then defines whether people as well are going to stay, or you'll have to start recruiting again. Yeah. If the people decide they are not happy there, they don't feel welcome, or they don't like the way maybe the bosses are treating people and so on. Um, because as well, I've, I read, uh, I was told once there was a um, a former. Uh, chief development uh, engineer from IBM who started his own business and everybody in all the different de- departments they they were absolutely they loved him because he was a hands-on guy he was a really highly recommended person very intelligent very smart and all the things and um, scientific and business-wise and so on but he was as well not just somebody who stayed in his office room and, and said that's where I am and that's it he actually Interacted with the people, and by communicating with all the employees, the products became so awesome that uh, as well the, the clients recognized that it's such a unique business. And when it translated to today's time, like, like 30, 30 years later, we have quite a different challenge. Um, people have different other expectations than they had maybe 30, 40 years ago, where they might have accepted quite a lot of uh, bad behavior from bosses, and today people are just not willing anymore.
1: Yeah, you you're quite right uh, you hit the nail on the head there it's <clears throat> essentially the the culture of a company really defines the way we do things around here and um, in in 20 30 40 years ago you were sort of you, you you almost guaranteed a job for life but then you had to suck up whatever behavior you got um because you weren't you you weren't going to leave the company um, and they didn't want you to leave the company whereas now, if if your culture is not acceptable and um, is is not the way people want to work, then they will leave and they will leave very quickly. Um, I think the, the the key piece about the values is to make sure that there is a values fit um, between the individual and the company. And what I the companies that do this the best and the companies that I interview in my book, in Own Your Culture, um, they have a very um, uh, uh, deliberate way of first of all defining their values and then they have a very deliberate way of interviewing candidates against those values
0: ah yeah so so the the book that um, i mentioned before that you're you've just released and uh, i think it's going to be in audible as well soon right
1: yes it will be it's uh, it's yeah. coming imminently
0: and kindle as well which means as well even if you are some other place far away and you don't want to wait for the postage you can even get it onto your ipad and that and read it does the book actually include as well some of these um manuals or checklists or anything like that that helps them do these uh, value fit thing
1: yeah so so um, each chapter um so there's the chapter on values and mission and vision there's a chapter on um pre-hiring there's a chapter on the hiring process there's a chapter on post hiring so onboarding probation um, uh, e- evaluation there's a chapter on how to deal with brilliant jerks and bad hires there's a chapter on how to embed your culture so each chapter has um, it's in some cases checklists and um, what to look out for but each mm-hmm. cha- in each chapter has exact is as very specific examples so I I interviewed over 50 leaders and CEOs for this book. Um, And they gave me exact examples of how they hire, how they fire, how they do probation, how they do onboarding. And so each chapter has um, five, six, seven, eight examples from companies of how they did certain things and why they did certain things. So it's a very tactical book that you can read and literally um, decide, okay, I'm going to try this example in my company this week. And so it's it's a very tactical book, not not per se a strategic book. Um, and actually, one of the one of the individuals I interviewed from the from the book is a guy named Franz Joseph Miller who set up Time Matters, which was a a Lufthansa spinout. Um, and he talks he he talks he gives various examples of the book. And he talks about how um, when he was raising an investment, um, he was using bankers to do it because it was quite a big round, and the bankers said. Don't put that slide in about your culture. You know, most bankers don't care about that. And he said, no, no, no. The slide about the culture stays in. And if the bankers don't care about it, I don't want to work with them. And he eventually they 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 found investment from a from an uh, from a, from a banking firm that really understood how impo- impactful their culture had been, and it made such a big difference to the way the company was run in, you know, once they'd invested because there was an alignment that in certain cases, they may make a decision that has a short term impact on the finances, but is the right decision for the values of the business and is the right decision for the business longer term. And this was a really powerful example in the book of getting the right investors for your company that understand company culture and understand how critical your values are.
0: Yeah, so then actually it, it gives a really a competitive advantage, especially when you're trying to get maybe the right people who as well understand why your business works the way it works, why you have this vision, why you have the mission and why it doesn't work another way. Because, of course, when you think of it, these banks, they are providing you with thun- funds, maybe they're giving you contacts as well to, with investors and if the let's say the culture as well the mindset doesn't fit between the investors and the company then they have different expectations and they'll be grinding each other yeah. to death all the time because they are being unhappy about each other and they saying the, the investor doesn't understand us and he wants us to do bullshit and and the investor says these are, they are just doing Wasting time on my money, they're just some, doing some stupid stuff. And uh, it's just so different as well. For instance, when you have, for instance, as well, people, or well, you see some startups, uh, they have these uh, pool games and other kind of fun stuff and so on. And if you come from the corporate and uh, maybe a little bit old style, you think, what's this? I don't, know. they're supposed to do the work and not play. They can play at home in the weekend, go to the bowling club or whatever when they want, not in the office. Focus on the work, get it done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, yeah, and it's, so it's different as well. And if you've got a bunch of guys who are doing some kind of other s- stuff, and and they are all absolutely into windsurfing, yeah, <laughs> then find somebody who's into windsurfing and they have the same passion, and it gets them more. And the culture works in as well. Not only what the fun stuff, but uh, as well things that then I suppose uh, go as well towards the culture itself because it'll have some impact as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I find I find um, that the companies that do a good job of defining their values are the companies that manage to accelerate their business quicker. Um, what when I work with when I work with companies, they'll they'll ask me to often come either either it's start defining our values and our mission and our vision because we haven't done anything about this, or maybe we need to refine our values and and, and, and mission and vision. And when it's a case of refining, what that often means is that the leadership team have said these are the values and they don't really know what's going on in the trenches on the ground where, where, where the hard work is being done. And so the, so the people who are doing, you know, the, 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 the majority of the employees look at the values that the leadership team decided on and they think, well, we don't resonate that because that's not really what we're seeing. That's not the behavior we're seeing. And so what I do with clients is I help them understand what the current values are and what the future aspirational values are. And then we 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 find a match between those values. So you need some current values to make sure that the behaviors that are happening in your organization continue to happen. But you also need asp- some aspirational values that you can stretch towards and you can get better at. Maybe, for example, the company is not good at feedback. So you'll put something in there about... Um, you know, we we actively give and receive constructive feedback and then you reward and recognize people for doing that. And that's a bit of a stretch value goal, but that's the ideal way to do this. And the companies that do this well, are, I see are the companies that communicate better to their clients and it's better to their, their candidates and their, their employees about their values. And this at this moment in time with COVID and enforced, Remote work is such a critical element because cultures are degrading right now. The cultures are getting weaker and the the glue between people is starting to, to, to weaken because we're so used to working in an office environment.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, of course, when you, people are not used to working at home and then suddenly have to have all these challenges with homeschooling and all the different things, um, it does uh, challenge people quite a lot and, and they have to adjust. And if you've got, let's say, a couple, both usually are working and the child is usually the whole day or at least half of the day or so in school and then you have get afternoon daycare, then everything is usually normal. And suddenly everybody's stuck in there and you start noticing all the small things um, and that's that influences whether the child is being noisy or the child is bored, wants to play with friends but can't, and so on. Then you have got, of course, the stress elements. Maybe you have some clients who are unhappy because they aren't getting the stuff delivered in the usual fast matter they expect, or they can't properly get meet up and they don't accept it or they understand and are getting really annoyed. Then you have, of course, all that stress. And when then inside the company itself, you have a culture that hasn't adapted or isn't capable of adapting to the necessary needs to say, okay, we are now working online, then it doesn't work. And and I've heard, for instance, from one company where the boss decided that he wanted to have that everybody has their webcams on uh, and are connected so that he can actually see if everybody is actually working at the desk. It would be as if the boss was walking behind your back all the time and trying to check whether you're actually working, typing something, or you're just watching some stupid movie. Um, <laughs> in the normal work environment, that wouldn't be necessary, or nobody would get the idea to do that, unless you are such an extreme control freak. But it's a bad <laughs> culture.
1: Yeah, I think I think um, I've done so I've done a lot of research into remote work because I've actually. About a year and a half ago, I started building some software um, that replicates my process um, online. May, may, the reason for that was because I was actually approached by two fully remote companies about helping them develop their culture. And I realized that my in-person, face-to-face, in-the-office workshops were not going to work for them. So I started to build, replicate my process. And um, wh- what I found is is that in studying remote remote working, the micromanagers or control freaks really struggle. Um, but, but what actually happens is they create serious issues around morale, around mental health, and around burnout because they, they do not trust. And trust is such a critical factor in remote work. You've got to trust your people to be able to get on with it because that's you, you can't do anything else. And they either 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 micromanage, and they they, they they want people available all the time, as per your example, or their people know that this person's a micromanager, and then they have to demonstrate that they are working. So they actually overwork, which burns them out even faster. So yeah, micro, um, micromanagement is such a dangerous. You know, my recommendation to to leaders who are micromanagers or have micromanagers in their team is to really get yourself or get that person a coach really quickly because we we're, we're going to be in a remote or hybrid environment for the foreseeable future and i'm and when covid is over we will still be in some sort of a remote or hybrid environment where people will work remote
0: yeah and i just recently read a uh, study from a from the regional uh, what you call it it's like a uh, a company that makes audits companies to see whether they are able to, and they are going to default or not. And they, their report actually showed that 20% of employees were actually overworking. They were near outburn. And that's not just the people who are working in hospitals and so on. But I mean, the reg- regular person is yeah. working doing some kind of administration work or sales work, marketing and all the different areas that there are, They are not actually at the factory and not, Typical administrative positions anywhere in a bank or in a manufacturing company or anything, any kind, big or small company. They are uh, overworking, they're exhausted, strained, and of course with the homeschooling or the other additional emotional stress that comes as well between uh, partners or singles, the different effects. But it actually shows the difference between the women and the men who are working at r- right on minute maybe one percent more one percent less stress or so but overall that's just a matter who who you ask and question in the survey but the key thing of course that's what we only see the tip of the iceberg many people are stressed and as well people are of course frightened whether maybe the next year they still have a job or whether uh, the company the clients are going to not start giving new orders so maybe they get um uh Payment cuts and so on. Some people have been, let's say, laid off. Some have been put on temporary holiday and so on. I don't know whether they're actually going to be able to come back. We see the same thing with the airlines. And and all the industries that are dependent on airlines, on hotels and so on, it's a huge, vast area. And they're not sure what's happening. And that's where the leaders have to have this culture that they're actually able to uh, keep people up and keep them on a take care of their employees, because the thing, of course, as you said with your book, you have the ones who are really the the very bright ones, and then you have the ones that become like a weight for the organization. Um, But you have to still try to keep them, because once you've lost them, and that's the interesting thing that the second survey said, um, the companies who are now suffering from all these pandemic issues, economics and then they've already started losing a huge uh, amount of um, important people who are really significant for the success of the business. And once they have re- reorientated themselves, whether they've gone to a different company or they've started educating themselves and say, I don't want to work in this profession or so, they are lost. They cannot get back. And that's where then the competitive advantage is losing the companies. And I think when we look at that, what you mentioned, that would certainly say that if we've got the culture right and we work on the mission and define and even take the time that we've got now to improve it and get feedback from the people where they actually makes sense and think, am I behaving the way I'm describing it? Um So I suppose the book would help you there as well reflect on that, how you are doing actually your business as a leader and say, okay, I've written this um, mission and vision statement, my culture and so on. And then, okay, how do I have to adapt myself as well to fit more?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. Um, In chapter eight is, is all about how, how to think about embedding your culture as a leader. And the, the interesting thing about company culture is it's quite complex because it's this largely invisible, subconscious, and intangible thing that happens below the surface. Um, and most, most leaders are not very good at bringing it above the surface. The best leaders are able to surface their culture and demonstrate it to their team. And, but when it comes to embedding company culture, that's actually relatively simple because there are only six ways to embed company culture. Um, Those six ways are how you reward and recognize your people, Mm -hmm. what you measure and pay attention to, how you invest and allocate resources in your company, how you train, mentor, and educate your people, how you behave in crisis situations, and how you hire, fire, and promote. So let me give you an example. A CEO says, customer satisfaction is really important to us Our customer satisfaction team are doing a great job. Um, You know, customer satisfaction—it's—it's critical to us. But if—if the—if the the CEO doesn't measure or pay attention to customer satisfaction, if they don't—if the CEO doesn't hire good people and fire the bad people from customer satisfaction team, if they don't invest or allocate resources to the customer satisfaction team, and if they don't train them or mentor them or reward and recognize good work in the customer satisfaction team, then the CEOs, is, it's obvious to everybody in the company that the CEO is talking nonsense. The CEO is, is, is talking but not demonstrating in their behaviors. So most leaders do not think about embedding their culture and embedding their behaviors. But this this book, in Chapter 8 in particular, gives you a very clear instruction and framework for how to think about embedding your culture in the right way in the organization.
0: Mm-hmm. So that reminds me actually an interesting thing that uh, I recently read. Elon Musk said, that uh, leaders should be hand-on. They shouldn't be uh, sitting or hiding in some little office and not communicating with the people. have to actually go on site, go into the factories, go into your labs and so on, find out what people are doing, communicate, work with them together so that actually notice uh, you're not just hiding and you're just managing numbers and so on. And the interesting thing is he said most of his... uh, unsuccessful activities that he's seen in the last few decades of his work experience is actually when he's been busy listening or giving PowerPoint presentations. And the most successful things were when he was actually with engineers, with the production people on the production floor and so on, and working out to find how can we improve the products, how we can improve this world customer experience and all these things, and saying, hey, we are a team and not me and you guys. So it's actually us. And that changes the perspective, I think, of really saying that's how the culture is. That's how I lead from the front and not lead from the back, as you might see when you look even at uh, history. Uh, Most of the organizations and and, uh, other history events, when people have been leading from the back, it just usually resulted in a high loss um, of the business or of uh, human resources. and. So that would say definitely a culture is an important thing. The book, where can people actually get that book?
1: Uh, the book's available on Amazon and uh, Kindle uh, right now, um, and um, I'm uh, the Audible version will be available probably uh, early next year. So if people prefer to listen, they can they can get it then. Um, but it's it's a it's a very uh, I'm very I'm very proud of it because it's the first book that is, as I mentioned, it's a tactical book. It's about what you can do and what you need to do. So it's a deep dive into these companies and how they do how they embed, how they what they measure and 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 how they recognize and and how they they do what they do. It's not it's it's not a it's not about Southwest Airlines. It's not about um, Virgin or you know Zappos or Amazon. It's about startup companies and what they're doing on a day-to-day basis to really move the needle. So um, whether you're a large company or whether you're a startup, it's very relevant to you because you can go and try these things. What other people have found to be successful, you can go and try these examples in your own company.
0: Wow, that sounds great. Um, Yeah, so if people want to connect with you, how can they get in touch with you?
1: So uh, my website is www.culturegene.ai, which is culturegene.ai. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Bretton Putter, and I'm on Twitter, Bretton Putter. And if people want to drop me an email, I'm, you know, I, I'm really, I'm a student of, of company culture. It's a passion of mine to learn. So, you know, people can drop me an email at Brett at CultureGene.ai. I'd be happy to talk about, you know, what, what people are doing that's working in their cultures um, and how how things are going really. You know, I'm always I'm always happy to have a conversation.
0: Yeah, so it was awesome having you here on the show and I'm sure people will be really interested as well to have a look at the book. I'll be adding as well the the link as well to the book or the ISBN code so people can find it if they want to buy it over their local uh, store or anything, that, I think that would be quite good for them. And otherwise, I'm sure they'll either use uh, the Amazon or I'm looking forward for the Audible because I always enjoy sometimes listening to the books mm-hmm. when I'm mm-hmm. in the evening trying to mind for this well, but I'm too tired to read. Otherwise, I fall asleep <laughs> before I got the message, so to speak. So yeah, have a great week. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it soon in the new year as well on other topics.
1: Christian, really uh, my pleasure and thanks very much for having me. I've I've really enjoyed it.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Growth Zone with Christian Barge. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the Ultimate Guide on Content Marketing. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contacts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients. And that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmediareach.com that will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing you can follow me as well on twitter by using the twitter handle cap barge that's spelled charlie Alpha, Papa, Bravo, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Sierra, Charlie, Hotel. Yes, that is C-A-P, Barge. Charlie, Alpha, Papa, Bravo, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Sierra, Charlie, Hotel.